Let's go over the plan real quick, okay? You're gonna start things off with your little floor pad. Get everybody hooked. Then I'm gonna step up and seal the deal. Board breaks. Simple plan, okay? So don't fuck this up for me. This is my life, okay? A Taekwondo instructor deals with a series of personal and professional crises. Join us as we discuss $10,000 worth of lumber, using nunchucks to impress girls, and beating Michael Jordan at horse. Then we find out if the foot-fist way stands the test of time. Time. James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? James says gladiator with a glut Alan says as a father blah blah It's the test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Hello everyone, it's James Brief with the Test of Time podcast, and today we have a Taekwondo energized podcast for you. With me as always is my fellow black belt in podcasting, Alan Noah. Thank you, I like that. I like that very much. Sure, uh, we, we are both black belts, fourth degree, fifth degree, black belts with the little stripes at the end. I don't know. Did you ever take karate or Taekwondo when you were a kid? Oh, I did. I took the franchise martial arts of the uh, 1980s and 1990s. Can you name what that was, Al? Tiger Shulman? That's right. I took Tiger Shulman's Karate, now known as Tiger Shulman's Mixed Martial Arts. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Do you remember any moves? I absolutely do. All right, let, let's see some. I mean, you know, I want to see some. Obviously, our listeners can't, but let, let, let's see some moves. Yeah! Whoa! Way to go! Yeah! We used to do that for hours at, at this dojo. <laughs> I made it to uh, definitely Blue Belt. I, I think I was on my way to Yellow, and that's when I lost interest because I wasn't quite big enough for adults, but like where they had kids, like there weren't kids my age. So I was like 11 or 12 and they were like eight and nine year olds. And that's a big difference. And I remember even just like kicking the uh, kick pad. I'd be like, I can kick this kid right into the mirror. And I was not a big guy. And I'm like, what the hell? This is so stupid. So they would get me with like the biggest kid there, but he would still be like the big nine-year-old and I'd be like 11 and I'd be like, eh, can still kind of kick your ass. I just have more like height and weight on you. And uh, so I, I, <laughs> I fiddled out after that. And then I did a little Taekwondo in college, got back to purple belt from a white belt. And then uh, I have not done any specific martial arts since then. How about you? Did you ever do uh, any martial arts? I think maybe I did karate like one summer or something. I wasn't really that into it. My son Eli did Taekwondo for quite a few years. He eventually stopped because the whole thing about it is, you know, you have to show respect to your sensei and that meant you can't talk to your friends. And like the whole point was that he was doing it with his friends and he liked hanging out with his friends and chatting with his friends. And as he got a little older and they really started cracking down on that 
it became less fun for him. I always kind of hated it. I mean, a lot of kids' activities are a scam, but the way that they ran this place, every like six weeks, the kids were promoted to a new belt level. Didn't matter how good they were. If they never showed up for class, they were promoted to a new belt level. And then you had to buy the new belt. So like every six weeks, you're just buying a random piece of cloth for not cheap. It was like maybe 40, 60 bucks on top of the lessons that were already expensive on top of the, the gi and everything. It was a really, really expensive activity for him. I was not sad when, when he said that he didn't want to do that one anymore. Oh, I remember the Tiger Showmans, uh, that they would have like graduation ceremonies. I never went to them. They would give a lot of people their test and their, uh, their new belt. And I remember thinking how nervous I was for those tests because you would have to do, you know, not just kicking and stuff, but you would have to do like, like, uh, the, 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 the kata, like they showed it in like, um, the Karate Kid part three, where it's kind of more of the like choreographed uh just moves that you do and they do it in the background here in this film when uh when julio the the young guy kind of takes over at the end and they just kind of do the choreographed like uh, kicks to the side i remember being very nervous about that but also realizing that once i got to the purple belt they invited me and my mother in after class and they're like we really need to speak to you and your mom and i'm like i i knew it was something good because i was really working hard i didn't realize that your belt advanced was by uh, attendance, just the number of classes you were there. It wasn't by how well you did. Because I, in the beginning, I was like, look how I'm kicking everyone's <laughs> ass. Like, I'm awesome at this. Why don't I have a black belt yet? But they invited me in the back room, and they said, we want uh, you to join. It was called the BBC, the Black Belt Club. And and I, I didn't do it, but they also got to play with nunchucks, which I thought was awesome. But uh, we didn't get Whoa. to use nunchucks or, or those, like, uh, bamboo swords and stuff. I didn't get to do those, but then again, if I learned how to be a nunchuck expert wouldn't i need to carry around nunchucks everywhere wait you don't now no i don't I, not anymore i mean i used to i just assumed because you live in new york city you know you were just like have your nunchucks ready to just stop bad guys and you know and, and also just to look cool in front of the ladies you know quite frankly that's why i stopped doing it i mean that's the kind of thing you do in the in your 20s like to impress girls but I think girls have more sophisticated tastes these days. That's probably true. I, I mean, I wouldn't know, but I'll take your word for it. Um, okay, so I picked the foot fist way for two main reasons. One is that I love Danny McBride. I am a huge, huge fan of his. I have talked about this other podcast a lot on the show, and quite frankly, the people at Smartlist should pay me because I talk about it so much, but I really like that show. They had Danny McBride on as a guest, and they were talking about this movie, The Foot Fist Way, and I was like, I don't think I've ever seen that, and I should go back and see it because I love Danny McBride. I looked it up and I saw that it came out in 2006, so it qualifies for our 15-year rule. Then I actually realized that that was at the Sundance Film Festival, and its wide release was in May of 2008. But even still, under the 15-year mark, pretty close. I, I usually like to do movies that are older than that, but... It's also just a busy time of year for my family. And I was, to be honest, looking for a short movie. And this movie is like 80 
82 minutes, 83 minutes, something like that. And I was like, oh, that is perfect. I have time for that. I'm busy, but I can make time for a short-ass Danny McBride movie. So I was really into watching this. Had you seen The Foot Fist Way? I had heard of it. Um, I thought it was actually a different film that I was thinking of. Um, Kung Pao Enter the Fist. I've never seen that film either, and I thought that's what this film was. But um, okay, uh, have you ever heard of that other film? Yeah, I think maybe I saw it, or maybe I just heard of it and didn't actually see it. I'm not totally sure. I might have gotten those two mixed up too. Uh, but. Okay, so this was a first-time watch for both of us. And for any of our listeners who haven't seen it, this movie is about Fred Simmons, who's played by Danny McBride, who runs his own Taekwondo dojo in a small North Carolina town. Although Fred takes pride in his fourth-degree black belt, his life is otherwise falling apart. When his wife admits to being unfaithful, Fred loses his confidence, and he pours his energy into his dojo. Fred works hard to recruit his idol, an action star named Chuck the Truck Wallace, to lead a demonstration for his students. Chuck agrees, but he also has sex with Fred's wife. Fred and Chuck throw down, and ultimately, Fred is able to see what's most important to him. So I know that this movie wasn't a box office hit. It was one of those low-budget movies that was barely in theaters, right? Yeah, I mean, the film was made for under $100,000. And uh, like you said, it was it, it got uh, released uh, at Sundance uh, or premiered at Sundance in 2006, but it wasn't released uh, until May uh, 30th of 2008. I doubt it was on that, in that many theaters anyway. I mean, it's May, it's 2008, so there's, there's blockbusters coming out that, that summer. So uh, it wound up making uh, $250,000 at the box office. You know, I mean, the, the producers, I mean, they made money. Hey, you know, I think certainly uh, Will Ferrell, uh, who was involved in this film, uh, you know, saw something in uh, Danny McBride, and you know, it's the first of their collaborations. Right. And uh, director Jody Hill wound up having a lot of uh, collaborations with McBride. Danny McBride worked with Jody Hill on uh, the uh, the Righteous Gemstones, uh, Eastbound and Down. And uh, Vice Principals. Uh, I saw that series. That series was weird and funny. I've watched all of them. I have watched all three of those shows. I loved every single second of all three of those shows. They are amazing. I genuinely think they are modern comedic masterpieces. Apologies for the hyperbolic statement, but I really genuinely love all of them. And Jody Hill isn't just a collaborator of Danny McBride. They're buddies. They went to school together, I believe. I believe they they grew up together. They're old friends. They decided to make this movie together. It got some attention from Will Ferrell, Adam McKay, like you said. Then they got Eastbound and Down, and they've just had a very, very fruitful partnership. And it's a really awesome and amazing and inspiring story. You know, these two friends just liked doing funny stuff and they made a movie for $79,000, I read. Like, that's nothing. And they built a whole career out of it. That is a amazing story in and of itself. Oh, yeah. And I, I, someone else that they brought into their uh, comedy sphere that I never would have heard of unless I'd seen a couple of his uh, shows, this guy, Walter Goggins, um, he is uh-huh. hysterical. He is uh, second billing in uh, Vice Principals, and he's also uh, in uh, The Righteous Gemstones. But uh, I'll ask you, Al, um, I haven't seen all of his stuff. Um 
Danny McBride in a lot of the, the, the roles that he plays, the Foot Fist way. I've seen not all of the Righteous Gemstones and, and Eastbound Down, but some of them. And I've seen uh, Vice Principals. He does have a little bit of that uh, The Rock thing where he does a little bit play the same role in a lot of his films. Not not the same exact role. Now, like The Rock, it happens to be a very likable role that he plays in every film. But I wonder, has he ever had his, um, you know, his uh, uncut gems, uh, Stranger Than Fiction, Truman Show, real stab at uh, something that's really out of his element? I wonder if he's ever done that. Um, as an actor, I don't know that he has. As a writer, yes. Uh, he wrote the new Halloween trilogy, Halloween, Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends. He co-wrote uh, those movies. But yeah, so he has skills outside of comedy. As an actor, he very often plays the same type of person, which is an asshole, but someone who's lovable kind of in a weird way because you're rooting for him even though he says the wrong things and does the wrong things and is kind of a prick i know he was also in alien covenant i don't really remember his character in that movie to be honest i saw that movie once when it came out and and haven't seen it or thought about it since the characters that he plays are different but there is that commonality that i think you're talking about where yeah, he's just always kind of like an arrogant, pompous prick to some degree. Yeah, and I mean, if I'm not mistaken, it's either Vice Principals or Eastbound and Down. He has some interactions with his kid. It's definitely heartfelt, and you know, I really like his arrogant character. Um, I'll bet you he could do it if he has the right script. I, I, it would be interesting to see because you know he does a lot of smaller films, but. Um, I do love his, uh, this is the end, Danny McBride. Uh, you know, I do love that character, yeah. too. So I, I do look forward to seeing him eventually in something. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, him on death row, you know, a heart-wrenching tale. Right, right. He's very, very talented. I mean, he does a lot of writing. Um, not only did he write the Halloween movies, he writes a lot of Righteous Gemstones. He wrote a lot of Eastbound and Down, uh, Vice Principals. He creates these characters. He works with these ensembles, and he's very generous with what he gives away he takes a lot of funny material for himself obviously but he really lets the other characters and the other actors really shine but you know as a comedic actor he's really fucking good and i found this movie the foot fist way to be really really hilarious there were a couple of jokes that you kind of saw coming and yet they were still funny, which to me, I think, is the mark of people who are really good at comedy. Like there, there's a, a scene where there are two characters who are sparring and one is this older woman and one is this younger guy who's like really, really angry. And Fred, Danny McBride's character, is like, I think you're going to be surprised at what she can do. She's got some moves and you're not going to like how this is going to go. And then they start sparring and he instantly knocks her out just instantly and you know i saw that coming but it was still funny it was still just the way that these actors handled the scene and the timing and everything it really really worked and another hallmark of danny mcbride is he goes on these 
long, disturbing rants in a lot of his shows and and movies. He's talking to the kid Julio in this movie, and it's after he found out that his wife was cheating on him. He says that your parents would slit your throat to get ahead. And the look on the little kid's face of sheer horror, it's awful, but so goddamn funny. Um, you know, take a show, a popular show, a show that you and I like, uh, Cobra Kai. And whereas Cobra Kai goes from California all the way to Japan and epic fights uh, throw, through windows and, you know, sword fighting and ninja stars and guns and mega conglomerates, this movie is what seems like would really happen to Johnny Lawrence if he reopened his dojo. All right, dude, you're going to have a quote-unquote dojo in a strip mall because, you know, what really are your credentials? Like, he's a quote-unquote fourth-degree black belt, and I wonder, like, does he, like, mail away for this thing? Because, like, Danny McBride, while I'm sure he could kick my ass— He's not ripped, you know. This is not Jet Li in The One. You know, this is not peak martial artist form. And that's part of the joke. The fuck out of here, fourth degree black belt. Like, I don't believe this guy was in fourth degree black belt uh, condition five years earlier. And he just let himself go. He believes he's a fourth degree black belt. But I think I don't think he's in on the joke that he probably is there the same way that I got my almost yellow belt. It's just attendance and the check cleared. Right, right. I think that's fair. When he fights Chuck the Truck at the end of the movie... You know, Chuck the Truck is a amazing martial artist, but with air quotes, right? Because he's an actor and, you know, he can do some moves, but is he really that great? I mean, he's also, he also seems to be an alcoholic. And when they throw down, I like the fact that Fred can hold his own. You know, that he he gets in some good punches. Ultimately, he loses the fight, but... It's not just, you know, he gets the shit kicked out of him right out of the gate. It's a decent enough fight that I believe these two guys who are kind of out of shape, but they do know some moves, they'd be able to hurt each other back and forth for a bit. Absolutely. That those that that fight is awesome because it's a completely realistic fight about two guys, like middle-aged guys that are going to like go at it and they suck. They're awful. <laughs> both of them they're not fourth degree black belts. Like I'm convinced that these boards that they're breaking, obviously for the movie they're, you know, foam or whatever, but it's kind of funny how much they can kind of just like slap the boards and not even have to like kick them or punch them. It's it is comedic, but like both of them, they basically suck. Uh, and I think that's part of the joke. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, and also while we're talking about Chuck the Truck, that character is played by Ben Best who is another collaborator of Danny McBride, friend of his, and Jody Hill. Jody Hill, by the way, uh, is in the movie too. He plays Fred's friend, Mike McAllister. Uh, Ben Best died. I don't know that they ever said the cause of death. Very sad. He died in 2021. 
No, uh, I don't think they released what the uh, cause of death was, but uh, sad. Uh, he was, uh, I think, like uh, mid forties, uh, forty six or so. That that that's sad. Yeah, Ben Best is he's really funny uh, as uh, the truck. I mean, that, that's a great name. These kids all idolize them, and this little boy Julio, he is fantastic in this film. Um, he's played by Spencer Moreno. Uh, I don't think this guy really went on to do too much, but I thought he was hysterical in this film, and he has like some character development. He is a a shy little kid and Fred is pushing him to be a a leader. And like he does at the end of the movie, he is taking control of the class at the graduation ceremony because Fred has gotten his ass kicked and, and he's he's running late. Like he has an arc in this movie. Absolutely. And he's a chubby kid, but he's able to like, you know, do all the martial arts. Martial arts is actually a thing I often recommend to kids that uh, that I have have patients that are overweight and really don't want to go on teams for a number of reasons because they really just don't want to be on a team. And but martial arts, you kind of, yeah, you're in a room with other kids, but you're kind of by yourself. So it's a really big confidence booster because I will tell you that at Tiger Shulman's, I got to uh, kick a board the first time I tried. I didn't break it, and I felt like such a douche. And I got to try again, and I, you know, I actually, I really kind of felt like Danielson in uh, the Karate Kid. Actually, instead of getting nervous, I was like, "All right, like, all right, you're gonna do it. The center, just think of the center, and." God, you know, I just did it. And I remember going home with the two halves and like putting them together on my windowsill. And like, I did that. I broke a piece of fucking wood in half. And I, mm-hmm. I felt so confident. And it was a very, very good thing. And um, I, I really did like that kid. Also, he was a fantastic actor. I, I just thought he was uh, good and the kind of kid uh, who actually would do really well in Marvel martial arts and I was just very happy to see him I thought he was very uh, very well played I I also like the character of Henry who is Fred's other protege who also has an arc he doesn't have confidence he's shy and then he comes into his own and he fights back against the bullies at Chuck the Truck's party that actor Carlos Lopez also died very young he was a, a stunt man and he was trying to do like some parkour jump and uh and and he died very sad that this movie that's not that old has uh, two cast members die very young. Uh, but but I like the fact that there are these other characters in the movie that you're rooting for. It does kind of help because Fred isn't the nicest guy in the world. Let's talk about his marriage a little bit. He and his wife have a terrible relationship, like right out of the gate. They're fighting with each other. They're bickering. They don't really seem to like each other. There's this one little moment, though, after they have like this big fight because she had a terrible day at work and he's just being a complete asshole to her. He's like, shut up, we're going out for dinner. And then they're sitting on the bench waiting for their buzzer to ring, you know, for for their table to be ready. And they're just kind of like joking with each other and they're making fun of the buzzer and how it vibrates. And she's like, you know... Thank you for getting me out of the house. I really needed this. And I was like, oh, maybe this isn't going to go the way I thought. Maybe they do, in fact, have a nice relationship in their own twisted way. But that is not the case. They do end up 
breaking up because she cheats on him repeatedly and him coming to terms with his wife's infidelity and realizing that he's better off without her. It's not like the most deep or profound arc ever, but it worked for me because even though they're both really shitty to each other, you just kind of like him a bit more than you like her. Um, this movie really reminded me uh, of something else, uh, Talladega Nights, where you have this wife that uh, she's uh, the infidelity is kind of comedic, even though it's not like, oh, you feel bad for the uh, protagonist. But like she leaves him and then goes for the second guy. And, uh, you know, she's not really a bad woman. It's just more a little more like she's kind of used for the comedy in this bit. Um, I think the, the wife is fine. Um, it's kind of funny that uh, later I was not expecting it. I was thinking maybe it would happen, but I didn't really think it would when he walks in and, and uh, his wife, who was kind of trying to forgive herself for the infidelity and they're maybe getting back together. Then she's just uh, she's just riding on top of uh, the truck. And there's a reason for uh, those two guys to fight martial arts on the lawn. You were really surprised by that? You you didn't see that coming? I mean, like I said, I thought they might go there, but then I was like, no, I don't think he will. I I, I thought he's really going to go for the, like, maybe he'll, like, look her up and down, but I didn't think he was really going to fuck her. Oh, wow. See, I thought that was really obvious that that's what was going to happen, and I thought that was the point. I thought you were supposed to know that it was going to happen, and that everybody in the world would know that that exact thing is going to happen when he's with his wife who just cheated on him and he keeps saying to chuck the truck have fun do whatever you want in my house make yourself comfortable mikasa sukasa you can do whatever you want here of course that's what was going to happen of course they were going to have sex the way i interpreted it was that it was so painfully obvious except to him the only person who would be surprised by that is Fred himself. I thought it was kind of going a similar way that it was so obvious that, like, I don't think they will. And there's going to be some comedy about they don't. But then they did. And it was still really funny. The final scene, which is basically after uh, they have their backyard fight and... Uh, Fred does lose. Um, he goes into the belt advancement uh, tests and he basically does a showdown with the truck and he does like a board breaking off. It's hysterical and it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, if the film is $79,000 uh, for its budget, I have to imagine that like they spent like $10,000 on like lumber like cutting here because there is so much lumber <laughs> that is uh, sliced and it's so comedic because it's so fake. Their kicks are so bad, but he just slices through every single one and they go right through every single concrete block. It's hysterical. Both of them are suddenly like huge martial artists, like when I push comes to shove. So it's either it's real and these guys really are fourth degree black belts, but they just kind of look the way they do and just kind of let themselves go. But 
The other thing is that it's just really funny. That to me, it's just over the top fake because it, it is raining wood at one point, and I think that's hysterical. That these guys are basically turning into like human wood chippers, and to me, that's that's <laughs> hysterical because I'm I don't believe it's real. Because if it is real, then I think it's stupid and not funny. But if it's a farce and basically a funnier die sketch, then it is funny, and I'm willing to believe. It, the latter one. Um, I read that everyone who does martial arts in the movie is an actual martial artist, except for McBride and Best. So I don't know about them. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it works as a scene where you don't necessarily want to see them fight again, right? Because you already saw them fight. We know how that's going to go. You know that Fred's going to lose. And a fight also wouldn't make sense in this context, right? It's a demo. That's the whole thing is that Fred is saying he's the demo king. He's really, really good at demos. But then Chuck the Truck does an amazing demo at this expo. So, hmm, who can do a better demo? Is Fred really the demo king? And it turns out, yes, he is. So whether it's real or not, it doesn't matter because... All he wants to be is the Demo King, which is such a ridiculous flex. Like, that's what you're bragging about, is being able to demonstrate karate moves in, like, a parking lot to to impress random passerby at your tent? Absolutely, Al. This character right now in 2023 is absolutely talking about the time in 2008 uh, or 2006. He broke more boards than that Hollywood actor Chuck the Truck. If you ever played horse with Michael Jordan once and beat him, you are going to talk about that forever. I think that that was one of the greatest days of his life. When he beats Chuck the Truck. Yeah, right after Chuck the Truck fucked his wife. So that that's his revenge. Sure. It is. In front of everyone, that was fantastic revenge. I, I have to ask you something, though. I'm a little embarrassed by it because I rewound it twice. I can't quite understand why he wins this board-breaking contest at the end. Does Chuck, like, miss one of them or something? Like, it seems like they're both breaking boards. Was it a race to see who could break them first? Yeah, he gets to the end slightly ahead of the other one. Oh, okay. That, that That's what I thought it was. I was like, I didn't realize it was a race. That that was not made yeah. clear to me. It's a fair point that it's not really clear that it's a race or how he wins or by how much he wins. You know, probably if there was a higher budget, there would have been more shots and more cutaways that would have made that point a little bit more obvious to the viewer you know that then they both kind of fall down and then fred holds up his finger like number one i think that's supposed to clue you in but it's not expertly choreographed you're right well chuck the truck he he immediately falls down in the you know champion has been defeated position he's like no it's the worst defeat for him whereas for fred it's it's the greatest moment of his life exactly I do like how the movie does end with, like, 
uh, he goes back to the students and, you know, you know, martial arts, like I say, has the confidence and the, there's kind of more of an art to it where you're always saying kind of some kind of oath, like I will not use this offensively. I will use this just to defend myself and my loved ones, you know, that, that kind of thing. And at the end, he makes a new oath. And I was actually kind of thinking it was going to be something like stupid. It was going to be like, I will always be honorable. I will not fight uh, when it's not needed. And Chuck the Truck has a smelly butt. But it was actually, it was surprisingly just straight up, you know, an oath. But it was an oath of a, a newly confident dojo uh, sensei. Right. And they do an oath at the beginning. And then the words from that oath they use throughout the movie as like title cards. There's courtesy and confidence and i forget what some of the other ones are integrity and yeah 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 exactly he's gone through the journey of all of those things and now he's ready to start a new journey with a new oath i didn't really love that i got it like i understood what they were going for I thought it was a little bit of an anticlimactic ending just to end the movie there on the oath. It's not a bad ending. I just kind of didn't love it, but eh, whatever. I would have ended it on a Karate Kid Part 1 ending where he's just a champion and kind of lifted to victory. That's it. I I think that probably would have been a better ending. Um, It didn't really need the epilogue. I agree with you. I did happen to catch the uh, Conan O'Brien clip. Have you ever seen this clip of Fred Simmons where Danny McBride came in character to Conan O'Brien? No, but I heard of it. It confused people, right? Because Danny McBride was not famous at this point. People didn't know who he was, and he's pretending to be this martial artist, and people thought it was real because he played it as real. He played it as Fred, not as Danny McBride. Yeah, and it's kind of super lame. And Julio, he's in the he's in the sketch. Like he comes out to uh, the stage and does it. It's kind of like as if you were watching a lame like random like dojo somewhere in like a strip mall in New Jersey. Fred Simmons, he's not really that good at it. He misses a little bit and then he like throws the boards down and like just storms off but also when he's on the couch just talking to conan he's kind of arrogant and will ferrell who had been an earlier guest i'm sure you know this is all planned obviously of course will ferrell like he says something like oh i've done a little taekwondo and Danny mcbride's like it's my time and can you please just sit where you are Will Ferrell, like, backs off. He doesn't, like, go, whoa, 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 Tiger. Like, he plays it straight. Like, this is, like, a weird guy. It's to their credit, like, you're not really sure what's going on. Yeah. But let me ask you, James, what do you think about the foot fist way? Does the movie stand the test of time? Um... The title, uh, I, I do want to say, is hysterical. It really stands the test of time. It's a literal translation of Taekwondo, uh, the foot fist way. Because in English, of course, it's, you know, the three words don't really make sense, uh, you know, in, in that particular order. Um, you know what this is like? This is like the, the bottle rocket to Wes Anderson. It's like, this isn't really as good as he's going to be able to make, but there's some funny shit in here. 
here and like there's some quality filmmaking you're gonna get better and you need to hone the craft a little bit they made some wise decisions like making this film 80 something minutes very very smart because it does not need to expand on Julio's backstory more or you know I don't need to know who's driving Henry to class every day I don't need to know that backstory the film is silly it's not supposed to be a depressing film it is supposed to be a comedy uh, like oh what what next is going to happen to him oh the guy he's paying $10,000 for now he's banging his wife ay 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 now he gets beaten up oh my god now his face is all covered in bruises like he gets progressively more broken down and then he gets a victory at the end it's a quick little thing um it does stand the test of time because, like I said, this is the Danny McBride character. He's just now a more realistic Johnny Lawrence. You know, he's just a loser strip mall a dojo guy. I think that's a funny premise in and of itself. And it doesn't really go anywhere that it shouldn't. He doesn't stop a robbery. He doesn't do anything serious. You know, he doesn't win a big love at the end. Like... It's just a cute kind of rocky play with like a like a dumb asshole who's just funny and it's Danny McBride funny. So if you like Danny McBride stuff, like this. If you've seen Eastbound and Down, Vice Principals, the the Righteous Gemstones, and you're like, I just don't like this guy. He he rubs me the wrong way. I could see that, but you are not gonna like the foot fist way. But for anyone else that likes those quality things, it's a rough cut of those uh, comedy bits, and it's just short enough that you know you find it free on streaming for a service you're paying for. It's worth a watch. I, I do think it stands the test of time. Um, what do you think, Al? Uh, does stand the test of time? The the foot fist way. Yes, I think this movie does stand the test of time. I found it to be really, really, really funny, really enjoyable. It's everything that I love about Danny McBride. He plays these characters that are shitty people in a lot of ways, and yet they're likable. They're relatable, too. They shouldn't be. What do I have in common with Fred Literally nothing. Absolutely nothing. But, you know, he's a guy who's down on his luck. That's not a brand new original concept. The story of a guy who's down on his luck and keeps having more shitty things happen to him. You know, we've all been there. We've all had a rough day or a rough week or a rough couple months or, you know, a rough patch. And you want to see him get out of it. You want to see him emerge from the other side. And... Even though he says the wrong things and does a lot of shitty, shitty things in this movie, like he hits on one of his students and she's not at all interested. And then he like kicks her out of his class, like after he's getting back together with his wife, because, you know, it would be inappropriate. Like what? Like that, that's awful. <laughs> he's not a good guy, but he is weirdly likable. This is a skill that Danny McBride has. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he manages to do it so consistently but it works he plays characters that are awful but i like and i want to see them succeed and i want to laugh at him too and i want to hate him too a bit but i think that he's great at those characters in general that's kenny powers from eastbound and down that's uh his character in vice principles righteous gemstones and this is the movie where he did it first it still works it still stands the test of time definitely i think 
But that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we are going to be talking about a movie that has its 20th anniversary, Lost in Translation. I've really wanted to do this movie on the podcast for a long time. I saw that it was hitting 20 years, and I was like, okay, we gotta do it. Have you seen Lost in Translation, James? No, I've never seen it. Is it uh, Sofia Coppola directed it? Yes. I might have only seen it all the way through once, honestly. Uh, But I'm really, really excited to revisit that movie. Until then, we want to hear from you guys. We are at Test of Time Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, Twitter, X, whatever you call it. You can also email us at testoftimepodcast at gmail.com if you just have a little bit more to say and it's not going to fit in a short social media message. Also, our version of the Foot This Way is writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. That doesn't make any goddamn sense, but I'm going to stick with it anyway. Write us something nice on Apple Podcasts and we'll read it in a future episode. And uh, we'll see you next time, everybody. Kapow, kapow, yeah!